All right, good morning. It is good to see everybody here this morning. If you will, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter number 39. If you haven't noticed by now, our pastor is not here this morning. He has a fever um, and has been uh, has been in bed sick. So Miss Leah reached out to me uh, actually about 2.30 this morning. And uh, I didn't get it. My phone was off. I got it early. I got it early this morning, so about 8 o'clock this morning I talked to her. So um, I'll be preaching out of Genesis 39. I'll admit to you, this is something I have preached before. Um, I heard one preacher refer to it as uh, preaching something you preached before as a, a warmed-up biscuit. But I like those, and hopefully you do too. And it's still the Word of God, and we're going to take from it what we can this morning. Let's stand together this morning. Genesis chapter number 39. I'm going to read starting in verse number 1 uh, down to uh, verse number uh, 21. Uh, the Bible says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had uh, brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men in the house therein. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto, uh, came uh, in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in, uh, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper 
of the prison. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Father, Lord, I stand here this morning uh, completely unable to preach your word without your help. God, I pray that you would open our hearts. Father, that you would take your word and that you would look into each of our lives and that you would press upon those things that we need to pay attention to or remove out of our life and to give all of ourselves to you, Father. Lord, we're here to worship you this morning, to lift up your high and holy name. And God, I just pray that you will help us, Lord, to be the kind of Christians that we ought to be, to let us look at your word this morning and look at Joseph and apply this to our own lives. Lord, we pray for our pastor this morning, for his family, that you would heal him, uh, that you would keep his rest of his family from getting sick, Lord. Uh, we love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach to you for just a couple minutes this morning. I'm going to keep it simple and short. Are you all okay with that? Uh, on being a steadfast Christian. Um, the definition of steadfast is being uh, purposefully firm and unwavering. Um, and I, I'm sure that we could all nod our heads and agree together. Yes, that's the kind of Christian that we ought to be. And some of us may even lie and say, that's how I am every single day. But the fact of the matter is this. Uh, so oftentimes we as Christians are getting too caught up in the things that are going on around us that are temporary and that aren't going to last. And we're losing our focus on eternal things. Uh, when we take a look around and we get on social media and we check on the news and we see what's going on outside the doors of our, of our Bible believing churches, it's a, it's, uh, it's a fearful thing and it's a scary thing and there's so much wickedness that is rampant and that is running around. Um, but the, the sin has increased and increased, but however, there's a lot of us as Christians that have not stepped up like we ought to, and made that extra step to to live for God every single day, each and every single day, giving our all to Him. You know, uh, I, I'll share my testimony with you. I, I was kind of unsure whether I would or not this morning, but I got saved when I was 13 years old. Um, and as a as a young man, uh, from from well from the time of my birth, um, there's been a, a, a bunch of roller coasters of up and down things, and I can see how God's worked in my life. But when I was when I was young, when I was six months old, uh, my father he was a, a major at the time um, in the uh, in the Air National Guard. Uh, he was a pilot, and he, he flew airplanes, and and uh, he was flying C one thirty. He was actually a navigator in September of 1986, um, and the plane caught on fire and it went down, and my father died, as long as a couple of other men. And he was uh, afterwards promoted to lieutenant colonel. Um, and so I grew up much of my young life uh, without a father figure in my early years, um, or at least uh, uh, one that I could really look up to. Um, and then when I was about nine or ten years old, eight, nine, ten, we moved into Knoxville, my, my mother and me and a, a stepfather and my two sisters and a stepbrother that I had at the time. And we began going to a Bible-believing church. And I began to see my mom really uh, do big things make big steps in her life to try to start living for the Lord. Uh, and she was, you could say things were going up. They were on an incline for my home. And we were going to church and we were reading the Bible. I remember having to sit down and write Bible verses when I got in trouble. You know, write them over and over and over. So I would remember them. And we were moving in, in the right direction of how uh, a Bible-believing Christian family ought to live. Uh, and then when I was uh, 10 years old in 1996, my stepfather took my mother's life. Uh, and then I was orphaned by definition without a biological mother, biological uh, father. And me and my sisters and, and stepbrother at the time moved in with my grandparents uh, in middle Tennessee. And they began to take us to a church. And, and it was not the 
kind of church I had been going to, which was a lot more in-depth than teaching the Word of God, but it was a very basic country church that taught a solid doctrine on salvation. And so when I was 13 years old, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I saw clearly that I was lost and bound for hell. Uh, and I, I reach out and ask God to forgive me of my sins and put my faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And immediately I was a born again Christian. Uh, began began uh, continuing in church and trying to grow and uh, and and uh, about another 10 years later, uh, my grandfather, who had raised me, um, and my grandmother, but my grandfather had uh, had a stroke and passed away about six months later. My That was my freshman year of college. And so when I look, I can see this constant up and down and up and down. And, and I'm not saying that for any other reason than my life is very reflective of what you see in your own life. That's all of us. Ups and downs, times of good, times of bad, times on living high on the mountain, times of being low in the valley. But what I want our focus to be on this morning is remembering that through those times, be it through death, be it through sickness, be it through financial situations, whatever it may be, that whether it's good or whether it's bad, we ought to maintain our same level of living for Christ each and every single one of those days because he never changes, right? He's, he never leaves us. He's never forsaken us. Hey, I can look back to times in my life that I've, I have deserved it over and over and over again for God to say that's enough and turn his back. But he never has. No matter how deep I've gone, I've always been able to turn back around to him and, and ask for forgiveness. And he's, he's forgiven me. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. And when we look at Joseph, um, I think we can see uh, a young man here whose mind was on maintaining purity, whose mind was on uh, maintaining faithfulness to God uh, and and uh, doing what was right, having character, having integrity, something that is very lacking today in this world and in many of our churches um, as well. So the first thing that I want us to notice from our text this morning is in verse number two. Um, I'll read the verse again. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. He was a prosperous man. The first thing this morning I want to mention is that is that God's presence was with Joseph. Uh, I told you I got saved when I was 13. Right then and there, the Holy Spirit of God moved into me, moved into my life. And, and decisions I made from that point forward, I could feel the Holy Spirit press upon my heart. Don't do that, Kerry. That's a bad decision. No, and other times where he would say, I know your flesh is saying no, but do it anyway. Stand up for me and be bold and move forward and, and serve me. Uh, and, and we have God's presence as Christians with us. God, uh, uh, God was with Joseph as well, and it led to prosperity in Joseph's life. Now, I'm not a health and wealth TV preacher. Um, I'm, I'm uh, just wanting us to remember this morning that when, when we live for the Lord and we give him everything that we can give him, then he maintains control of everything, making sure we have all that we need. Now, God did not make us into robots to where we are forced to do uh, uh, what he wants us to do. Um, he shows us his will and his desire for our life. And then we have the free will to make the decision whether or not that we will live in that or not live in that. Uh, and we can either receive the blessing of God in our life or we can see uh, receive God's uh, chastisement in our life. Um, you know, I can say uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a parent of three little children. Most of y'all know all this. Um, I'm so used to talking to the little ones, but uh, you know I, I've got I've got I've got three three kids a seven year old a five year old and 
and uh, uh, the wildest three-year-old that you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, and and I can see their decisions that they make and how I, I want them to make good decisions. I lay it out in front of them of how to make good decisions, but I can't make that decision for them. All I can do is lead them and show them. And there's times, shocking as it is, they don't make the right decision. And I almost feel silly for even taking the time to question or to wonder, but I, I'll think, how? Why? I gave, I gave you everything you needed. I showed you everything you needed to see. I explained what you needed to make the right decision and to take the right path forward, and you still did something dumb and made a bad decision. And then I remember, they're my child. I do the same thing. We all do the same thing in our life. Hey, doesn't the, doesn't God lay out for us His perfect will for our life? And we all we have to do is obey and follow. Yet so oftentimes we're too worried about work or ball games or things that don't matter at all. We're not we're losing focus on God's perfect will for our life. And and I tell our teenagers the best place that you can be is in the center of God's will. Your your idea of what your perfect life may very well not be what God's idea for your life is being his perfect will for your life is. But I promise you the best that you can think of is not as good as what God has for your life. When you start when you start living for God, all, all you want is to see him work in your life and feel his presence there with you and serve him and see him do things in your life. And I'm afraid so many Christians are getting away from desiring to see the action of God in their life. They're just going through the motions and coming into church. And let me let me encourage you this morning. This isn't me fussing. This is me just encouraging you. I have gotten more out of out of uh, my Christian walk when I have come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Seeking to serve God. Now, you you may only typically come on Sunday morning, and maybe I'm just taking a little more liberty because the preacher, the pastor is not here. But but I encourage you, you will get more out of your Christian life by giving all to the Lord. Studying His Word and praying and, and holding close to Him. And I love those times that, that I have got down and pray, and you just feel so strong, the presence of God there with you, you don't even want to get up. That's what we need. We don't need more money in the bank. We don't need to worry about these. Our focus has to be on the things of God. Uh, God's presence was with Joseph, and it led to, to God blessing Joseph because he desired that, and God gave him the prosperity, lifted him up there. But also God's presence was visible in Joseph's life to the other people around him. Uh, look in verse number three with me. It says, and his master, talking about Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. The way that Joseph's life was lived was apparently uh, lived in a way to where the people that saw him, that were around him, knew what he was about. Knew what his life was all about. Can we say it of ourselves this morning? That our co-workers and that our neighbors and that our family know what our life is really about. Do, do we do we come and sit in the pew and, and amen and nod our head and sing the songs and then go live a, a different life outside the doors of this church? But we have to get back to real Bible Christianity, really living the way that God has for us here. It ought to be visible to the other people around us. Uh, again, going back to me being a parent, one of my one of my biggest things that I have to keep my mind on 
is that my children are watching everything that I do. You know, sometimes I get aggravated about stuff. Sometimes I'm not happy with the way that things turn out. Sometimes I get in a bad mood. And I have to be very mindful that there's that there's little eyes that are watching me. There's little eyes that are learning from me what it means to be uh, what it means to be a, a, a Christian serving God in church. There's little eyes that are watching me that learns what it means to be a Christian husband, a Christian father, uh, a, a Christian man out in the workplace. Uh, and and uh, I, I want for them and for other people around me. I don't want to live some fake facade. As a matter of fact. Sometimes I feel like I almost share too much stuff uh, about myself and my failures up here. But I just want to I just want to serve my Lord and Savior. I want to do it with sincerity and I want the people around me to see that it's real as well. I also say that God's presence presented responsibility in Joseph's life. Verse four says Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and uh, and all that he had he put into his hand uh, because of Joseph's life, the way that it was lived and Potiphar seeing that he gave responsibilities for Joseph to have. Let me encourage you this morning um, to take part in doing something for God. Uh, you may say, well, I just don't know what I could do. Um, come talk to me or Brother Toby or Brother Larry or some of the other folks in the church. There's always something you can do to reach out and to serve God and to uh, and to do something more than you're doing now. Uh, I believe as Christians that it is important for us to always be trying to step out and do more. I think it helps us grow. You know, we live inside this little bitty square that we call our comfort zone. We like that little square. I like it. Hang out in there, wear our pajama pants and watch TV. It's comfortable. But sometimes the Holy Spirit says, take a step outside that line right there. I know you don't, I know that don't feel good. I know your flesh hates that. Go ahead and do it anyway. It brings me glory. Go ahead and do it anyway. I'm going to make a difference in that person's life if you'll do it. And we think, I just don't know. How many times, and I, I'm, I'm bragging on you, I'm not fussing. How many times some of you have thought, I don't know I can do that up at church camp. I don't know I can be a counselor. I don't know that I can help with the youth. I don't. I see it a lot because of working with the youth ministry. And you've stepped out and you've seen God still. Bless that. Bless your family and do things. Uh, we ought to step up to the responsibility. There's always more that we can be doing and 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 uh, trying to uh, uh, serve God in a way that is different than before. You know, uh, it, it's not a uh, for me. I, I'm so used to preaching and teaching our uh, to our young people. I'm not used to standing in front of uh, all you wonderful adults. Um, it's uh, it is outside my comfort zone, but I, I I want to serve the Lord. What what's most important is that I bring glory to my savior than it is how i feel um so god's presence in joseph's life presented responsibility um but also god's presence in joseph's life also blessed potiphar look at verse number five it says and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had though the lord blessed the egyptian's house for joseph's sake and the blessing of the lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field I'm sure many of us could say that we saw God protect us, do things in our life as young people because we had a mom or dad that was praying for us, trying to live and serve God. God blessing our life for their sake, for their prayers. You know, when we when 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 we give it all to the Lord, it's going to have a ripple effect and start affecting those people around us. You know what? uh, My wife. 
Um, I, one of the things that I'm so grateful for is it seems like the times that I just get lazy uh, in my Christian walk, that that's not the time that she happens to be lazy. And, her, and I start to think, I need to pick it up. I, I'm losing folk. I need to pay more attention to what I'm doing. I don't don't act shocked now. I'm a human being just like the rest of you. But the way that she the way that she lives affects me. The way that I live affects her. The way that we live affects our children. It affects the youth. The decisions that we make. We have to remember that. We have to use that to encourage us, remembering that God is with us. That God desires to use us. We just have to allow ourselves to be used by the Lord. So we know that God was with Joseph, but oftentimes as, as God begins to do things in our life and we really step it up and start living for God, then Satan steps in and tries to mess everything up. You know, as you as you start as a Christian, just as a born again Christian, you've got a little target on your back that Satan has put there. He wants to take you out. He, he'd kill you if you if he could. But he's going to mess up everything he can. He's going to try. He's going to try to ruin your testimony. He's going to try to use you to mislead and misguide others. But when you start trying to take those extra responsibilities and step outside of that comfort zone, that target begins to grow. It begins to get bigger. Satan takes more notice. You're starting. To, you're becoming the squeaky wheel. Pays more attention to you, and then he can step in and start doing things. Now I'm not saying and and. And this is something regularly Brother Toby says as well. I believe this. Just because you have something going on in your life is not a direct result of sin or anything like that. But uh, but we know that oftentimes that Satan will will uh, move into our life and disrupt in many different ways. It may be sickness. It may be uh, that he has tempted us into sin um, and that we've given into it. It can be lots of different things, but no doubt it's to ruin the work that God is doing. Can I remind you, God is doing a work. He's got a, he's doing something through your life. We can't, we shouldn't let the devil mess it up. God's doing big things. Don't you think that we would see differences in our communities if so many Christians weren't letting the devil mess things up in their life? Satan sought to ruin Joseph. Look at verse number seven. It says that uh, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. So the first thing we see is Satan had used Potiphar's wife to uh, tempt Joseph into adultery. And the first thing he did was he he approached her, or he, uh, she approached him. She she gave him the opportunity, the interest. Don't you know that's what Satan does first in our life with sin, is he'll, he'll just bring it up. He'll just present it before you, give you the opportunity, say, here it is, here's something. And our flesh oftentimes... Well, just like a fish goes to a lure, desire to go towards that. The, we, that's right there is where we ought to be cutting it off. Right when it comes up to it, we shouldn't, shouldn't play around with the idea of sin. We shouldn't let it linger in our heart for, for uh, even a nanosecond. Uh, we ought to immediately reject it and turn away from it uh, because, of, uh, because of its destructive nature and separating us from our fellowship with God. But... Potiphar's wife approached Joseph and let her know that that she was interested in him. The second thing is that it was a continual thing. Look at verse number 10. It came to pass as she spake to Joseph, what are those words? Day by day. She, she was very assertive. It didn't stop. 
Can't we, can't we say together this morning that as long as we're living in this fleshly body, we're always going to be having to fight against the temptation of sin? It doesn't matter if you're man or woman, uh, a boy or girl, whether you're 10 or 100 years old. There's always something that Satan can tempt you with and put in front of you to try to disrupt the, the work that God's doing in your life. And that's what he was doing is he was letting Joseph know day after day after day. He was trying to wear him down. Maybe in your own life right now you feel like you've been beaten down. Maybe you've been, maybe there's something that you've been refusing to give into and you're right on the edge and you just feel like it's about to happen or you might give in. Or maybe you've already given in and maybe you've let sin start to take root in your heart. We can always get on our knees and seek God's forgiveness. We can, we can always seek for God to give us victory over sin that's in our life. You know, I, the the living having our fellowship broken because of sin is such a dark place to be. I believe it's the darkest place a person can be. The lost doesn't know how separated that they are from God. They don't understand the destruction of their sin. They see no wrong in it. But a Christian, when we allow sin into our life, we have the conviction of knowing it's wrong and that it's disturbing our daily walk with our Savior. And but we continue in it's a miserable place to live in. So Satan approached and then he was assertive and then he accused. Verse 14 and 15 says that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me and cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice, I cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. She accused Joseph of something he had never done. Um. This this led to Joseph being placed in prison. We'll talk about that in just a second. But the temptation that Joseph was tempted with would not have been uh, as fulfilling. Or let me say this. It would have turned up empty, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, I understand Joseph Joseph rejected the temptation. But had he not... Would he have been satisfied in such an illicit relationship? No, it would have left him empty. That's what sin does. That's what I'm trying to get us to remember this morning is all these things that we're getting so focused on or, or maybe we're letting sin move into our life. We're forgetting it's a lie and it's filled with emptiness. It's filled with hurt and with uh, uh, with uh, destruction in the end of it. How many families have been broken because of sin? How many people's lives have been ruined that would have been something much different and much greater lived for God, but they gave in to sin. So Joseph, he was he was good. He was what we ought to be doing. He rejected it. But look at this. Joseph still entered into a time of darkness. Look at verse 20 and 21. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Wait a second. I thought when we lived for God, everything was perfect all the time after that. Um, you won't find that preached here. Um, we don't understand God's perfect will. Now, we know we have the word of God. We can see God was doing something. We knew God was doing something in all of this. God was using Joseph. But imagine yourself in Joseph's position. Maybe you're in a position right now that's similar to the one Joseph was in. Joseph was doing everything that was right. He was resisting temptation. He was living before others with a good testimony. Yet here he found himself in a place of darkness. 
How did that, and no doubt he might have thought, how did this happen? I, I, I don't understand where I'm at and why this is going on now. We can look at our own lives sometimes and think the exact same thing. I'm studying, I'm praying, I'm, I, I'm doing everything, I'm trying to serve, I'm trying to live right, I'm trying, I'm doing everything I can. God, why is this thing happening to me right now or happening to my family right now? I just don't understand. Can I encourage you this morning? We don't have to understand. God still has it right in his hands and he's still holding on to it. He's still in complete control of the situations that are going on in our life. We don't have to worry about it. We might not understand everything, but just understand this, that we've got one much greater than us that is still in full control of everything. So Joseph entered this time of darkness. One thing no doubt he had to learn was to endure this time of darkness. You know, he here he was not understanding what was going on. But there had to come a point where he just had to accept where he was and what was going on. You might you might be in a spot right now you just you don't understand. But I encourage you to to just stand still, stand still. Remember the Lord is who He says that He is, and He's in control. Just endure this during this time. But I also say that Joseph still served during this time of darkness. We look at verse 40. We're going to read the first four verses there. It says, It came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. And he served them. And they continued a season in the ward. I'm assuming that we can take here that Joseph was given this responsibility again because the way he had lived and it was visible and they had seen it. And so Joseph, again, was given responsibility. Right now may be a hard, difficult time for you. Hey, right now you might be on top of the mountain. I don't know your situation. I just know this is what God wanted me to preach this morning. You might be, you might be in a, a, in a dark place right now that you're struggling, but let me encourage you, even through this time, I encourage you, to stay faithful and serve. Still, still, still do that thing that God would have you to do. Um, it's easy sometimes for us to, uh, just say, well, I don't feel very well and stay at the house. I know a lot of times, uh, I might wake up on a Sunday morning and not feel great. I'm sure some of y'all that are older than me, they're like, wake up not feeling great. <laughs> Tell me something about it. But I might wake up not feel great, but then I have to think, well, I wake up tomorrow and go to church. Or wake up tomorrow and go to work? And the answer is usually yes. And I think, well, I need to get up and go to church. I don't need to just, I don't need to just use this as an excuse. I need to still get up and I still need to serve. And I'm not just talking about a cold, but I'm just simply saying that it doesn't matter what's going on in our life. If you are able, if you are able, you ought to be serving. Let me encourage some of you that are a little bit older. You're still here. You're still drawing a breath. You're still sitting here in the church service this morning. God still has you here for a reason. God's still got a purpose for you right now. We, we, we ought to, regardless of whether we're on the top of the mountain or in the lowest place in the valley, it ought to still all be every moment for our Lord and Savior, for Christ. So then we see lastly here through this, that even even after this, we know God was doing things in Joseph's life and, and for, for uh, the Hebrew people and God's plan of all that, but we see that God blesses Joseph. I'm going to jump around. You you can follow me. You don't have to. But in, in verse 1 of chapter 41, the first part of it, it just says, It came to pass 
at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, that Pharaoh dreamed. So he was there for two years in prison. He was there for two years. Pharaoh dreamed. And then verse number eight says, and it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Look at verse 14. It says, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph's testimony just kept following, following after him. You know what? It says, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And down look at verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. Joseph interpreted the dream. It says, the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it unto Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. God blessed Joseph. God, Joseph could have turned his back on the Lord and, and could have said this is unfair. He could have refused to do anything with, with the servants that were thrown in jail that were Pharaoh's and they never would have established that relationship where he was remembered to be mentioned back to Pharaoh. There's a lot of wrong turns Joseph could have made. But what we see is that he was faithful, that he was steadfast, and that he kept serving whether he was in the on top of the mountain or whether he was down in the valley. We need to remember this this morning. We need to look at our own life and ask ourselves, are we remaining firm for the Lord? Are we unwavering? Or are we starting to grow weak? Do we need to make some changes to what's going on in our lives? Let's bow our heads this morning and we'll close. Miss Connie, you can come on up. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you will... Just touch our hearts, Lord. God, we need to, we need to be more faithful to you. We need to be more devoted to you. We, we need to not forget why you've given us this wonderful eternal life, Father. God, I pray that your work would be done in hearts this morning. If there's any that need to come and pray this morning, I pray that they would. And Lord, I pray that you will just continue to bless our church as we try to be a shining light in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.